Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 160, and it's titled Top 15 Sex Google Questions from Around the World. Okay, we just wanted to do something fun today. Well, actually, I think our shows are always fun, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe a little bit more lighthearted than usual. So what we did was we found a list of the top 15 most Googled sex questions, and we're going to answer them. But to make it even more fun, we're going to just spontaneously answer them. So we didn't prepare a bunch of written responses to it. We're just going to be... It's, it's like... It's like you called into a radio show and you asked your sexperts questions. That's kind of what it's going to be like, only we don't have to deal with all the call-in stuff because we don't have the technology for that. <laughs> hey, one day it would be good. It's always been something I've wanted to do to have like live callers on the show and stuff. That, that would be would, really cool. That would be fun. That would be a whole nother level of production. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before we get started with our question, uh, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to last longer, have harder erections, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. Okay, so this was a, a topic, you know, we have a list of things to talk about that we look at from time to time. Um, to get inspiration for the show. This was one of the things on the list. It's been there for a while. We haven't done it yet. And I started looking for lists of the top, you know, questions that people Google around sex. And most of the results go back to a story that made its way around the internet around 2017. What happened? Well, it's not, you know, it's just that somebody, you know, there's an article put out in 2017 that had the top 10 sex questions that people Googled and all the media outlets picked it up and it was basically replicated everywhere. But 2017 is a while ago. So I was hoping to find a newer list of the top questions. And I did find one on a website called Lube Life. So just going to throw that out there that the questions have come from there. The answers will be coming from us. Question number one. What are the healthy benefits of having sex every day? Ooh. Now, do we need to clarify, like the question is having sex every day. Are we talking you are masturbating every day, you are having penetration sex, or you are masturbating or watching porn multiple times a day or stuff? Like there's like a whole like... Yeah, so that would be a whole show if yes. you dissected the question that much. I think for the purposes of this show, we're just <laughs> going to say like actual sex. So, you know, between two people having some sort of sexual activity, not necessarily penetration. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll weed out the uh, porn, the masturbation, that kind of stuff. Well, research shows that it increases your, it boosts your immunity. So that's mm -hmm. a really good immune booster. It will lower your stress levels, your cortisol. Uh, it can help with boosting your hormones, like the good one, your female and male hormones. Sex is also a physical activity, so um, it's going to make your body physically stronger. 
anything else you can think of off the top of your head? I mean, as a healthy benefit is usually people who have sex stay together. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that is actually a great benefit, right? So, so couples that have sex more frequently tend to have better relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, also look at it as it's really good for your body, for your health, but it's also good for your mental, for your emotional health, and then for the intimacy in your relationship. And because you're not separated, it's like when you boost one of these areas, when you have sex, and I think it's also good sex, because just having sex that depletes you, I don't know if it gives you as much of the healthy benefits. Let's be real about that. Well, it, it will. It will give you some benefits for sure. Like a lot of those things that we talked about will still be benefits. But let's say you're a male and you're having you know, sex every day and ejaculating every single day. As you get older, you might find that that's depleting and tiring. Yeah. So these are some of top of our heads of the healthy benefits of having sex every day. And, you know, you don't need it every day. If you want it every day, that's great. But it doesn't have to be that. And I think that kind of leads to our next question here. What is a healthy frequency for sex between couples? Slash, we, we, we took two and combined them here. What is a healthy sexual appetite? So let's talk first about what is a healthy frequency for sex between couples. There are no, it goes all over the spectrum, basically. I'd say there's no rules. What is healthy for you? What do you want? What do you like? Some people are perfectly happy with having sex once a month. Other people, it's once a day. Yeah, I think what's more important is that both people are aligned with the frequency that each other wants, right? So in other words, if you're both perfectly happy with sex once a month, great. But if one wants sex every day and one wants sex once a month, that's a problem. But to talk more in generalities, I would say one to two times a week for the average healthy couple who still loves each other is what we would consider a healthy frequency. Absolutely. But also understand that frequency will vary through life, depending on what you go through, uh, will vary a few times. But it's also a myth to think that as you've been in a relationship for multiple years, your sex drive or, or sexual activity should decline. Actually, I think it could be the opposite because you're really noticing the good effect that it has on your relationship, on your sanity. Uh, and it's like, what else is there better to do than each other, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, what else is there better to do than each other? <laughs> so there's a, there's a second half to this question, which is, what's a healthy sexual appetite? So this gets at like, you know, how much should you be wanting sex versus how much you actually have, Right. Yeah, it's interesting because some people will be like, well, I have a high sex drive. If I don't have sex at least three times a day, it doesn't work for me. And I think sometimes people are putting together their sex drives and their addictions and 
thinking they one and the same and they compensated compensating for a lack of something or a bigger problem using sex as a way to uh, not really look at the root yeah we're gonna talk about that a little bit more in question number three but just to finish up what's a healthy sexual appetite i think a healthy sexual appetite honestly is to have one <laughs> i mean again you know The frequency depends on the person, and it depends on the time and situations in your life. In other words, if I think back to, you know, when I was 20, I mean, I wanted sex every day, all day, like as many times as I could get it, right? And that was normal for a healthy, young 20-year-old male. You know, now that I'm in my late 40s, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not thinking about it 24-7, You know. Yeah, but also I think we need to make a distinction between sexual appetite, like having libido, feeling horny, feeling it, and acting on it are two different things. So it's actually super healthy to want to have sex, to feel horny. It happens to me multiple times a day. Now, do I act on it every single time? Absolutely not. Maybe you should. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Often you're like, why didn't you? And I'm like, because life... Because I had shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, the, you know, when we're saying appetite, that's really what we mean is sex drive, mm -hmm. right? You know, so, and it's not to say that somebody that doesn't have a sex drive isn't healthy or normal. There are people that that's, that is their norm. Mm -hmm. But those people are not the norm when we look at averages across the population. So the average person should have a fairly healthy sex drive, and think about or want sex on a regular basis. All right, let's move on to our question number three. Is too much sex bad? Ooh. I think the only way too much sex could be bad is when you get into the realm of addiction, which is what you started to talk about before. So if your behavior is in the realm of addiction, where you literally cannot not have it, then I think that could be bad. Otherwise, you know, I mean, yeah, you could, you could have a little soreness. You could, you know, you could have a little like, ooh, our, our genitals need a break, you know. But other than that, there's really nothing bad about having too much sex. Well, again, it's not about what, it's how. You know, are you compulsively masturbating and, and not feeling good about yourself when you're doing it? Are you doing it every single day, multiple times a day to a fault that you don't connect with other people in your life? Are you so focused on watching porn or having masturbation that you no longer have sex with other human beings? Like those type of things are a problem. You know, do you think about sex multiple times a day? That's not a problem. That's a healthy thing. Do you bring it home and then make love to your partner? Sure. Great. Um, again, it's about what's your relationship. And if you're asking about, oh, is it, is it bad and, and that there's something inherently bad with your sexuality, that's most likely because you have beliefs or programming from your childhood that need to be rewired because we are sexual beings. It is natural, beautiful, and healthy to be sexual. And if it's, of course, again, we are talking about a consensual relationship, a healthy relationship here. Uh, but the thing is, you just need to 
come up to peace that you are a sexual being and so if it's more about guilt and shame that's holding you back you got to work on that yeah so so basically as long as you're not addicted to it and using it improperly then there is no such thing as too much sex all right number four does the use of sex toys ruin relationships Ooh, it's a good one it is a good one. I, I, I'm kind of surprised that people are Googling this, but, you know, the short answer is no. No, the use of sex toys does not ruin a relationship. In fact, sex toys can be used to increase your uh, sexual experience, especially if you've been together for a long time and things maybe are a little stale, a little bored. You can bring in some sex toys to help spice things up and make it more fun and exciting. But I would say... That anything can be misused or overused, right? So one thing you would want to avoid with sex toys is, you know, maybe he's not the greatest lover in bed. And the only way she has an orgasm is to use a vibrator while they're having sex. So every time they have sex, she's pulling out the industrial Hitachi wand, right? And now she's basically desensitized herself to the point where he's never going to make her come. And now they can't have sex without it. Right. So you can introduce problems into a relationship with sex toys. But in general, it's not an issue, especially if you use them wisely. There's nothing wrong with bringing some toys in from time to time to help spice things up. Again, it's not the what, it's the how, right? So question number five, what foods are good for sex drive? Ooh. Yeah, this is this is a good one. So... We, we've done blog articles on this. I think we've even done a YouTube video on it. I, I don't remember all the places we've, we've put this information out. But usually this question is answered by, you know, here are the things that are considered aphrodisiacs. Like, you know, have your oysters and your damiana and your dark chocolate and all <laughs> that. But I'm going to answer this one differently this time. Yes, there are some foods that are considered... I don't know, libido boosters, I guess, you know, um, aphrodisiacs. And they may or may not work to some extent, depending on who you are. I think there's two things uh, that are more important than, ooh, this is an aphrodisiac. Number one is to eat foods that are healthy for you. And, and the reason why that's important is because the healthier you are, the better shape you're in, the better your genitals are going to work, right? The, the higher your sex drive is going to be, the better off you'll be able to perform when you're actually making love. So being healthy in general will make you actually better in bed. And we hear this all the time from couples that we work with about, well, you know, he can't do this move or he, I can't be in this position. And a lot of those things are related to they're overweight. They've had who knows what kind of surgeries, this, that, and the other thing. And, and all of those things have negatively impacted their ability to have sex. And so being healthy, well, what does that mean? That means eating as close, foods as close to nature as possible, <laughs> making sure that they're organic, right? Making sure that it's mostly fruits and vegetables. We're not opposed to eating meat, but you're not supposed to eat meat three times a day, seven days a week. Sorry, that's just, you're not supposed to do that, whether you like hearing it or not. Um, 
So all of these little things, you know, organic, mostly vegetarian, drink lots of good healthy water. Uh, if you're going to eat meats, try to eat organically raised, pasture raised, or, or hunted by somebody you know, wild, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like try to eat as healthy and close to nature as possible. Your body will be in better shape. Your genitals will work better. You'll get more frequent erections. You'll have more lubrication if you're a woman. You'll have more libido. You'll just want to have sex more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that you associate as aphrodisiacs, I mean, studies show that a lot of it is the placebo effect. Uh, while there are a few foods that may increase or dilate your blood vessels, like they say, like watermelon that acts like a natural Viagra, you would have to eat it in such quantities to get to that level <laughs> that just a few oyster or having a slice of watermelon is not really going to get you there. Uh, so, but because we know also that our biggest sex organ is between our ears it's our brain. So if you think it's going to work for you, then it will. But again, come back to the basics and come back to whatever keeps you healthy because you are not separated from your body. Yeah. Now, before we go to the next one, I do want to add in here too, though, that there are some foods that you should avoid if you want to have healthy sex. And I know we did a whole blog article on this one. I think we even did a YouTube video on this one. But in general, anything... For a man, I'm going to speak from the man's point of view because I know that side a little better when it comes to food. <laughs> but in general, anything that uh, lowers your testosterone and increases your estrogen would be bad, right? So, so what am I talking about with those things? Uh, beer, that's a big one. I know, guys, you don't want to hear it, but yes, beer, not good for your sex life. Uh, there's a lot of foods today that have things called phytoestrogens in them, which are basically plant-based estrogens that mimic human estrogens. There are also a lot of things like, you know, the cans that food come in and the plastic containers and things like that, that all also contain phytoestrogens. And so if you're eating a lot of those things and you're a guy, it's going to raise your estrogen level, which is going to affect your testosterone level. And therefore most likely decrease your desire for sex and even potentially your physical performance. And let's not forget sugar. Sugar is a really bad enemy, really not good for your body. And uh, yes. uh, that's kind of one. And I know it's a hard one to cut off, but reduce that. That will go a long way. Sugar, also known as the white death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to our question number six. What are the best sex hacks? So I would say that if there was one button that you could push, especially for the men who want to pleasure a woman, we would be giving you that recipe right away and we would have it plastered all over our sites. Uh, But there's really not one size, one button fits all. And when it comes to sex hacks, I think the one thing to remember is that you are not separated from your body. So understand that having your head in the game is very important. So whatever you start thinking, if you're stuck in an anxiety wheel, if you're thinking, what if I'm not going to perform? If you're a woman who keeps telling herself, I don't like sex, I don't orgasm and stuff. So the mental piece is huge. And in, like really as one of the hack is to start to transform the dialogues in your head. And I think the biggest, biggest transformation that so many of our clients have are through the practices of learning 
to breathe. To breathe deeply into their belly and slowing things down, suddenly sex feels different and better. Yeah. I'm going to add for sex hacks that you don't have to be in the mood, you can create the mood. Mm. This thing blows people's minds when we coach them on this, right? Like, well, you know, we're just not in the mood that often. Well, yeah, it's great to plan a date night every whatever, but then what if we're not in the mood, right? Like we hear this all the time. I think one of the things with long-term couples that makes the biggest difference is getting them to understand that you don't have to wait until you're both in the mood at the same time in order to have sex. That you can agree that you're going to have a certain date night and that you will work on getting each other in the mood. It may or may not happen, but you're going to try at least. Yeah. So let's give a little shout out to our second sponsor of today's show, which is Kevin and I. If we have a special invitation for all the couples listening today, if you are a committed couple who is stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to, and you are tired of stale mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun, and you don't want to live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join our highly sexed Power Couple Platinum program. Give us 90 days, only 90 days, and we will help you bring the passion shit, the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in your life. So go to CelineRemy.com forward slash passion. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if you're needing help in this area, you really should reach out to us. You can work on it for the end of this year and you can start 2022 like it's a whole new relationship. Mm. All right. We're going to move on a little faster here because we have a few more questions to go through. Um, so does sex really matter for any relationship? Well, it depends on who you are, but I would say that it does. Uh, only a very few people are really not connected to their sexuality and could do without, but it's a very... It's a very challenging path. Most people are still designed to have their to have sex and and evolve through their sexuality. And one of the things that makes a relationship like different from a friendship is the fact that you have sex. And so otherwise, what's the point if you don't? Then might as well just have lots of good friends. <laughs> yeah, and you know some people. <laughs> Some people will always complain, but some people will be like, oh, you don't have to have, it doesn't matter, my brother's sister's cousin, whatever, you know. In general, it is important to have sex in a healthy relationship. It's, that is part of a healthy relationship. Everybody I know who's really grumpy is totally undersexed and not fucked properly. And <laughs> you see that a lot with women. They're like really grumpy. They complain, they're bitches. They're just like not fun to be around. They get laid and all of a sudden... It's a whole new woman. That is so true. I have called this so many times. There was an office manager at a, at a job I used to work at years ago. And, you know, her and I, like, we always got along. I, I thought she was nice. But a lot of people thought she was kind of bitchy, you know. Mm -hmm. People all the time are like, ah, she's such a bitch, you know. She's like, always telling people what to do, blah, blah, blah. One day she comes into our lab and she's like super nice and smiling and happy and she walks out of the room i look at my boss and i go 
Well, somebody got laid. <laughs> Turns out, sure enough, she did. She had a new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So I think that answers the question of whether or not it matters just by how it impacts your mood. Let's move on to our next question. How do I improve my sex power? Ooh, Kevin, what do you think? I'm assuming this is men who are Googling this. Women don't <laughs> usually we Google. Don't, we don't want to improve our sex improve power. improve their sex power. <laughs> Most likely by sex power, I think what you are asking is how do you last longer? That's generally what people mean uh, when they're asking that question. And, you know, we've done whole shows on this, so I can only cover so much on, you know, how do you last longer and improve your power. But basically, you need to, you need to understand that orgasm and ejaculation are not the same thing. You need to learn how to separate them. You also need to learn your arousal scale, and you need to learn how to control your arousal, right? So you want to know what the scale is, so you know when you're getting too close to ejaculation. You want to learn how to control it so you can stay in your sweet spot. And then you want to learn how to separate the orgasm and ejaculation so that you can still have orgasms without the ejaculation, which will help lower the intensity of the energy flowing through you, which will lower you on your arousal scale, and you'll be able to keep going over and over and over again until you decide if and when you actually ejaculate. It's a whole practice. It's a whole bunch of skill sets. And this is why we created Power and Mastery, which we advertised at the beginning of the show, because it's on, you know, that's, it's, it's in the top 10, mm-hmm. right? Top 10 questions that, that guys ask. Uh, so yeah, if you, if you really want to know more about that, because honestly, there's just not enough time in this show, please go visit powermastery.com. I highly suggest you purchase the sexual mastery program. You will learn a ton. All right, let's move on to our question. Number nine, do people in their fifties still have sex? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) This has to be young people asking this question. I mean, come on. First of all, By today's standards, 50 is not old. No. And I say that because I'm getting close to it. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's really not. It's really not that old. Like this idea that somehow people who are 50 are so old, they're not going to have sex anymore. Like, oh, my back went out. Can't get up out of bed no more. Like, come on, 50? Like, yeah, that's that's the reality for some 50-year-olds. But 50 50 is not 70. It's not 80. You know, like... Well, and one thing to realize, too, is that the healthier you are, the more you're going to want to have sex. You know, the people who have a lot of health challenges, that's when it becomes a challenge to continue and maintain their uh, sexuality. But a lot of people, too, find that once they are no longer having to take care of the kids, the pressure of their jobs, that they can find new ways to reconnect. And there's also not the pressure of, like, uh, getting her pregnant. And it just opens up to whole new ways of having sex and sexuality that some couples find themselves having like a second life. Absolutely. We know tons of people in their 50s that are still having regular sex all the time. We know people in their 60s. We know people in their 70s. We even know a few people in their 80s. Yes. Who are still having regular sex. Yes. In fact, I know a guy in his 80s. Who's having more sex than most people in their 30s? That is true. That is true. He's got multiple lovers. It's, it's a whole thing. Like, so, yeah. 
it just depends on what you create for yourself. So whatever you've decided you wanted to do, you know. Let's talk about our question number 10 is, well, that's, we're going from one spectrum to the other here. Is drinking my girlfriend's vaginal juices during oral sex healthy? Why, yes, it is. Provided, of course, that she, she is, is healthy. healthy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you, if you were to research this, you'll, you'll get a bunch of information about all of the uh, good, healthy bacteria that are contained in a woman's uh, vaginal secretions and how that could actually be good for your gut microbiome and all that. All that stuff is true. <laughs> but but it also does depend on whether or not she's healthy. So mm-hmm. the discharge that comes out could be healthy discharge or unhealthy discharge. And remember, too, that uh, not everybody's compatible, that sometimes some people's juices are not mixing well with other people's juices, and it can happen. So uh, even if you had a reaction with somebody, it doesn't mean it's with everyone. It could just be with that person. Absolutely. Question 11. Is oral sex healthy? Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Giving or receiving or both. Both. We have whole whole shows on oral sex. I mean, we talk about this a lot, but oral sex is a great activity. And again, it's all about how you do it. You know, if you just go look around uh, pussies or dicks, like from strangers without asking about their STIs and knowing their sexual practices, you are at risk and exposing yourself to more than you would really want. You are more at risk with licking pussies than... um, uh, doing blowjobs. Um, but, uh, you know, apart from that, if you are in relationships or with people who have no STIs, it is a very healthy sexual act. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Number 12 on the list. Is BDSM a healthy sexual practice? Why or why not? Okay. So, yeah, this, this, the answer to this really is, again, it's all about how it's done. So, BDSM can absolutely be healthy. Some positive things that, and we've done whole shows on this too, but some positive things that we could say about BDSM is, is it teaches people how to set boundaries. It also teaches people how to let go, relax, and receive. It teaches people how to trust each other. There's a huge trust component in any sort of BDSM play. Um, it, it pushes you out of your comfort zone. It pushes you out of your comfort zone. It teaches you how to ask for what you want. I mean, there's a lot of positive things that can come out of it. However, like anything, it can be misused or used incorrectly or overused to the point where it can become unhealthy. Now, We've interviewed enough BDSM people, even on this show, that I can honestly say that any real, solid, like professional BDSM person would never allow BDSM to get into the unhealthy realm. Like they usually, if they're, if they're good, they are extremely conscientious about rules and safety and all of that kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean that everybody that experiences BDSM has that kind of an experience. And so uh, because you're dealing with power play, because you're dealing with bondage, because you're dealing with those kinds of things, you do have to treat it very carefully to make sure that you stay in the healthy realm 
and not move into the unhealthy realm. And there's also the part about the pain and that, you know, while it could be a path to the pleasure pathway, it's not the only path. Um, so even with, if you like to receive pain or give pain, um, there, it, it, I always invite people to explore more, one that, more than one way to experience pleasure. Let's talk about our question number 13. How long does sex last? Oh, no, Kevin, you are not quoting the studies again. I am so tired of hearing about how long men last, how long women last. And if you're a listener, you know you've heard it so many times. But what if we have new listeners who haven't heard it yet? So, you know, the, the article I got these questions from, they simply said, they said that... Um, Foreplay on average is 20 minutes and actual sex on average is seven minutes. That's, yeah. that's, which is basically what the studies always say. You know, there were two main studies ever done on this. One said men last three to five minutes. The other said five to seven minutes. We try to give people the benefit of the doubt and say approximately seven minutes. And we also know that it takes women about 20 to 30 and maybe even 40 for them to have an orgasm. So how long sex lasts? Well, it all depends on you. It depends on whether you're going for a sprint or a marathon. It depends on the skills of your lover. It depends on your ability to communicate. And no, long sex is not boring. Short sex is not always better. Sometimes you want a quickie. Sometimes you want something longer. And it's very um, important to actually make your sex a little bit longer than what you usually get because there are chemical changes that happen in the body at the 20 minutes mark, at the 45 minutes mark. And unless you last long enough to experience that, you never get to reach these higher states of pleasure. Yeah, I think in most cases, you should treat sex as a marathon. <laughs> and focus on the journey, not the destination. That's right. Well, I don't know why we put question 14, because really, this is a whole show. I feel like we should come back. Maybe we might even make <laughs> well, our next show this cause, question. Cause this is what people are researching how, how on to, Google. How to make a woman orgasm. Like, we, we only have a few minutes left here, and I feel like this question deserves a whole show. I actually think we might do the next one on that, because it's mm. kind of fun. But how to make a woman orgasm? Well, I... Ask her, what does she want? What does she like? Give her clitoris some good attention. Tend to her heart and her mind. Because if her heart is not in there and her head's not in the game, even if you're good at the technique, it's going to be difficult. Make her feel safe so she can let go. Exactly. And that's really your first step. I love that you brought that up, Kevin, because really how to make a woman orgasm, make her feel safe so she can surrender so that she can have orgasms. And orgasms, remember, are not like chocolate and flowers, something that you give to somebody else. It's a state of being that somebody opens up to. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, honestly, if you want to answer the question, how to make a woman orgasm, you have to ask, what woman? <laughs> At when? what particular point in time? <laughs> what day? What time of the day? Where is she on her cycle? There's like, there's like a dozen other questions you have to answer before you can even get there. I <laughs> <laughs> last but not least question, is casual sex bad for you? Is casual sex bad for you? Well, you know, this is another one of those answers where it basically is, it depends. So... If you do casual sex the right way, 
which means with full consent from everybody, which means having the questions before you have sex about STIs and past sexual history and what do you want, what do you like, what do you want, what do you like, right? As long as you do all those kinds of things, then casual sex can be perfectly fine. And that you're clear that this is casual sex, that there's not one person thinking this is a long-term relationship, we're going to get married, and the other one's like, it's casual sex. Some people love casual sex, and not just men. I know you're all thinking, yeah, of course, guys, they just want to bang <laughs> as many women as possible. But no, I we have personally known women who just loved having casual sex. Mm -hmm. That was their thing, and they, they enjoyed it for whatever reason, right? As long as you're doing it in a very upfront, with full communication, everybody's aware, they know what they're getting into, um, then it's perfectly fine. It becomes a problem when you're not communicating, when you're not upfront that it's casual sex, when you don't have, you know, the discussions about STIs. And when you don't use condoms. Yeah, <laughs> boundaries or pregnancy or any uh -huh. of those kinds of things. So it's really, it's all in how you do it. There you have it. So these were the 15 top questions, sex questions asked on Google. There is so much more we can cover, uh, but we hope that it was helpful and that you got some good little tips here to help you take your sex life to the next level. And if you have questions that were not on this list that you would like answered, then email us at support at the lovelabpodcast.com. Send us an email, ask us your question. We have done listener question episodes in the past, and we'd be happy to do another one if we get some good questions that we haven't done before. All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab Podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>